Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. It's rivalry week here in the state of Texas. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find our work at texasfootball.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at Shahan Jayaraja. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. And folks, let's get, go ahead and get underway. It's a big week in the state this week. The Red River Showdown is on Saturday. It'll be live from the Cotton Bowl, Texas versus Oklahoma. For the first time since 2012, both of these teams are ranked heading into the game. It should be a fantastic matchup, and we've got a great interview to talk about it a little bit more in, in depth a little bit later. We've got Craig Wade, the voice of the Texas Longhorns. But that's not the only big game of the week either. In addition to Texas versus Oklahoma, Midwestern State at the Division II level they host Texas A&M Commerce. They're rival, the defending national champions. A&M Commerce does have a loss on their schedule, but it was to a very good Colorado State Pueblo team. So both these teams are top 10 programs right now, top 10 teams in Division II. It's going to have a big bearing on what happens the rest of the way in the Lone Star Conference standings. And at the Division Three level, same deal. Mary Harden-Baylor playing against Harden-Simmons, another top 10 matchup at the Division Three level. It's a big week in the state, and, and later we're also going to have on Corey Hogue, our insider who covers small colleges for Dave Campbell's Texas football. It's going to be a great show. I, I mean, honestly, I don't need to talk anymore. Let's just get to our interviews right away, but first we'd like to give a quick thank you to North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. They're a fantastic, fantastic group. Uh, again, I mentioned last week I went up to Lubbock. And when I was going to Lubbock, I was a little worried about my car breaking down. But then I remembered, I drive a Honda. It's not going to break down. North Texas Honda Dealers is the only place to buy a Honda. And folks, we will be right back after the break with two fantastic interviews. We've got Craig Way, the voice of the Texas Longhorns on 104.9, Texas Longhorns Radio Network. And then we've got Corey Hogue to talk about small colleges. So sit, stick around. We'll have picks later. And we'll be right back after the break. We're joined now by a very special guest, the voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. Craig, how are you doing today? Great, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. Well, obviously it's a big week in Texas Football Nation. It's the Red River Showdown. It's a big game. It's one of the biggest in a couple of years now. For people who maybe haven't been, I mean, this is my first time actually, what's the atmosphere like? What should we expect? Well, in terms of the carnival-like atmosphere, I do think it's it's unlike anything that you could would be around anywhere in college football. For that matter, probably at any level of football, because I don't know of anywhere else where. And there are plenty of neutral site games in college football. Clearly, uh, there there are some games where the ticket distribution is is pretty evenly split, like Florida, Georgia, but uh, nowhere do they do it quite like how Texas is with exactly half the stadium, the uh, North End and burnt orange and white, and exactly half the stadium in uh, crimson and cream. And you have that dividing line right at the 50-yard line. I've, I've always said if I, did, if I wasn't broadcasting the game, I'd love to sit on one side or the other side of the aisle where the split happens, where the uh, right at the 50, A, you'd have a good seat, but B, you'd probably have a good earful listening to the Texas fans and the Oklahoma fans chatting at one another across the aisle because that dividing line is something special so uh you know it's it, it's very unique in that area add to that the 
the atmosphere of the state fair of Texas uh, around there, and you have you know two old rivals, and uh, you have two nationally ranked teams. So all of that, I think, makes this one pretty special. Yeah, well, it's been a few years since there's been sort of a really nationally recognized game. It's been back since 2012, since both teams have been ranked. Going back to not just then, but even to the middle of the 2000s, how much does it add when this game really does have national implications? Well, I think it does give it an extra special feeling. I mean, I think about 2008 when uh, Oklahoma was number one in the country and Texas was number five, and they had at the time the highest scoring game in the history of that rivalry, that incredible 45-35 shootout that Texas won that afternoon. They've had some other games as well where where they've you know where the two teams have been ranked going all the way back to 1984, where you had the number one and two teams in the country. They've had they've met as top five teams, obviously a lot of times as nationally ranked teams. From 2000 through 2012, it was a matchup of ranked teams every season but one. Both teams were ranked. And, but however, I'll tell you this, Sean. Even in the last six years, when uh, you know Texas had fallen on some hard times and had the coaching changes and things of that nature. Even during that time frame in the last six years, when the Longhorns have gone in unranked, they have two victories in that last six years, both as unranked teams in 2013 and 2015. Oklahoma's won the last two, and they've won six of the last eight. So they've had the upper hand lately over the past decade, I would say, of the series. But uh, there's, there's a bit of the unexpected that goes into this contest as well. Well, looking at the team now, Texas seems to have maybe made a turn even. You know, they, w- they win two games against ranked opponents. Uh, really, other than that Maryland loss, they've been close to impeccable so far. What is the vibe around the team right now? Do they feel like they're, that this game maybe could be for a chance to play for a Big 12 title, that it could have national implications? What's the feeling around the team right now? Well, I do think they feel that they have some real forward momentum going. I don't think there's any question about that. And they, you know, straightened out a lot of the issues that needed cleaning up and addressing uh, after the loss to Maryland, uh, you know, on the defensive side in specific. They've really turned it up a notch, and, and they've been more, you know, physical of late, and they were in games against USC and TCU and Kansas State. Offense, I think, is still trying to get there a little bit. They want to be uh, a little more productive offensively. Sam Ellinger has done a very solid job at quarterback after the two interceptions in the season, the opening loss at Maryland, one of which his hand was hit, arm was hit as he was throwing. I don't put that one on him so much. The last one was definitely a mistake on his late in the contest, uh, trying to make something happen on what would have been a final game-winning drive. He hasn't had a turnover since then. So he's played really, really well. They would like to get their offensive game and gear a little more from the running perspective. Uh, Keontae Ingram, the talented freshman, he has uh, been healing the last couple of weeks. He's had a bone bruise in the knee and, and a little bit of a sore hip, uh, but he should be close to being, if not 100%, certainly better going into the game. So if he's able to go and, and be effective, then I think it, it makes the offense that much more dynamic. Defensively, Texas lost a lot of playmakers from the 2017 season. Who are some of the guys that you've seen step up in their absence? Well, certainly, I don't think there's any question that Gary Johnson has been uh, the, the impact guy on defense for Texas in the linebacking core. And you're right, Sean. You know, losing Malik Jefferson was was big on that. Losing the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year and Puna Ford uh, hurt. And and losing the guys they had in the secondary that went on that made a difference as well. But having said that, 
You have uh, guys up front who are making a difference. Bracken Hager's playing uh, better now. Uh, Chris Nelson is playing well in the middle of the defensive front. Charles O'Menehue had a couple of sacks on a safety last week. Uh, in the linebacking core, Anthony Wheeler is an old hand, a, a veteran from Dallas, who's uh, going back to play in the Cop Bowl barely two miles from his old high school, uh, Skyline High School. And then in the secondary, uh, you have a young freshman in Caden Stearns, who already has three interceptions this season, and Brandon Jones, a junior safety. The safeties have definitely played extremely well. The corners have been burned a couple of times on a couple of double moves and things like that, but I still think Chris Boyd is a veteran back there, and uh, and then Devontae Davis also on the other side. So they've had a variety of guys be able to step up and make some plays for them. Well, it's no secret that Kyler Murray was one of the greatest high school players really ever to come through the state. Now he's playing at the same level again at Oklahoma. What do you think Texas is going to try to do? What do you think they're going to try to take away against Kyler Murray? Yeah, it's a great question, and you're right. Uh, in looking at Kyler Murray right now, it reminds me of the Kyler Murray I saw when I called his state championship games uh, for Fox Southwest when he was playing at Allen. And, that, and what I mean by that is a young man who plays with incredible ease and abandon and confidence with the offense. He looks very relaxed, yet controlled, uh, in control of the offense. And obviously he's got wheels and, and, and uh, sparkling talent. I mean, he, he's made really nice throws on the run. I think, you know, the, the problem that they deal with with that is if, if they try to get pressure with the blitzing, uh, you know, he's got great receivers and cd lamb and hollywood brown he's got he's, he's got two guys that can just absolutely torture and and then so if you don't do that uh, and you don't blitz then then obviously he can carve you up with his legs as well so that's that's the double-edged sword and that's the problem i think they're probably going to try to mix and disguise a lot of things to see what they can do to try to keep them off balance a little bit but it won't be an easy task for certain so what does a Texas win look like? You know, these are two very different teams. Oklahoma, a crazy efficient offense. Texas, a very physical defense uh, that can do some ball possession. What does a win look like if Texas is able to come away with this game? Well, I think they would, they're would. they going to have to clearly get some stops, and they're going to have to get turnovers. Uh, they, they haven't been able to get as many turnovers as they'd like. They're going to have to get some of those, and then they're going to have to – really play a lot of mistake-free football on the offensive side. Oklahoma's defense hasn't exactly been world-crushing. The numbers kind of reflect that. But I think also uh, that's a little bit misleading because their offense has turned turned the ball back over after scoring touchdowns to the other team so many times. They've had quick scoring drives. So the Sooner defense has been on the field longer, but they've been on the field longer quite often in pretty comfortable situations like the game against Baylor. Uh, last week, Baylor had more possession time than Oklahoma because the Sooners were scoring so quickly under three minutes on their drives, under two minutes on a few of the drives. So because of that, I think it's a little bit misleading. But that said, Texas is going to have to get some stops on the defensive end, get a couple of turnovers. And by the way, it wouldn't hurt to have a big play in special teams. They got one last week, the 90-yard punt return for a touchdown by Deshaun Jamison. If they could get another big play off special teams, I think that gives them an opportunity also. So I'll be going and making my pick after the break. But for you, how do you think this game's going to go, and do you have a prediction for the game? Well, I usually don't do predictions, but what I do is kind of what we just did there in talking about what, what, what they've got to do 
to win the game. Now, I've also been asking, you know, what kind of a game do I think it'll be? I do think it'll be high scoring. I do think it'll be, uh, you know, a, a game where a team could conceivably win it 35-31, 31-28, something so 30-27, somewhere in that range. I, th- I think it could be something like that for the winning team to win it. I do, I do see both teams getting on the scoreboard in this one. Well, last and uh, an easily most important question, what's the best fried thing that you've eaten at the State Fair? Well, in the past, uh, I, I've really liked deep-fried peanut butter. Ooh. Uh, I've, I've, I've always liked the uh, deep-fried Oreos. Those are good. The deep-fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich was pretty good as well. I'm really kind of torn this year, Sean. You know, do I – do I opt for the cotton candy tacos or the deep fried chicken tetrazzini parmesan? You know, when all is said and done, I think I'll probably just go back and have myself a corn dog when when it after the game is over. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. It's actually been a little while since I've been to the state fair, so I'll definitely have to stop by and and uh, try out some of those things. So. Thank you so much for joining us, Craig. That's Craig Way, the voice of the Texas Longhorns. You can listen to him on 104.9, The Horn. You can catch him on High School Scoreboard Live on Fox Sports Southwest. Am I missing anything? You're the busiest man in showbiz. <laughs> well, between that and the Longhorn IMG radio network for the games, I think, I think that probably covers it. It'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Craig. You bet, Sean. We're joined now by Corey Hogue. Corey, how are you doing? Doing great, Sean. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Corey does a whole bunch of uh, Texas small college stuff for us. He's uh, kind of turned himself into quite the uh, quite the insider there. Uh, Corey, first of all, I mean, I think we have to ask, how did you get so into small colleges? I grew up around it, Sean. I really did. Uh, my parents were big sports fans, but I've always lived around small Division II or NAIA college areas. And so that's been everything I've followed. I've never lived close to a Division One school. And so my entire uh, football childhood, every game I got to attend was non-Division One. So that's that's pretty much where it started. Well, Corey does a fantastic job for us. Check out his weekly Texas Small Colleges column on TexasFootball.com. And he actually has a brand new one coming out, the Small Small College Preview. This is his first one coming out. And, and this is the perfect week to talk about it because it is an absolutely banana slate of games right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just running through them, uh, you know, Texas A&M Commerce, uh, plays against Midwestern State. They're two top 10 Division two teams at the Division three level. Number seven, Harden-Simmons travels to number two, Mary Harden-Baylor. Even we were talking about at the junior college level, number eight, Northeastern Oklahoma A&M travels to number 11, Blinn College. It, it's a huge weekend, and I'll tell you what, you know, we were trying to figure out my schedule for this week, and, and obviously we, we kind of have to do Red River. But, yeah. but I'll, I'll tell you what, there were a whole bunch of games that I wish that I could go to this weekend, and let's start with the one that you're going to. Texas A&M Commerce, number nine in the country, traveling to number four Midwestern State in Wichita Falls. What's your feel for this game right now? Oh, Shayon, this is going to be another classic between these two teams. It has been recently been owned by MSU. They've won it. Well, they now call themselves MSU Texas. They've won 11 of the last 13 games between the two teams, and they've not lost at home in Wichita Falls to Commerce since October of 1998. But five of the last six meetings have been decided by six points or less. So it's anybody's contest every time they get together, and it's huge in the playoff implications and conference title implications also this week. 
Well, Commerce is, of course, the defending national champions at the Division II level. They lose quarterback Luis Perez. They lose a game a few weeks ago against Colorado State Pueblo. How does Commerce stand right now? Obviously, they're still a top-10 team, but do you think that they're at the level that they've maybe been in the past couple of seasons? I think the Lions need this game. I really do. They need a win. They need a big-time win here. They've got MSU Texas this week, and then they have number 21 Tarleton next week. These next two weeks will decide whether they make the playoffs in Division Two this week or this year. And at quarterback has been the main concern. Like you said, with Luis Perez leaving, you don't replace him. But they've tried it kind of with a dual quarterback system, and it didn't really work. It didn't work against Pueblo when I was there in the, the driving rain. That offense just didn't get going. But last week against Lockhaven, they tried Kane Wilson, who's a junior college transfer, from Fullerton College out in California. He was a actually a JUCO champion, national champion out there. And they tried him mainly last week, and they end up putting up 612 offensive yards and 68 points. So they may have figured something out in, the, in that week off there. Moving over to the other side of the ball, uh, Midwestern State moves up to number four in the, in the country at the Division II level. Last season, of course, Midwestern State was Texas A&M Commerce's lone loss this game happening in Wichita Falls on their home field. How have they performed this season, and where do you think that they sort of rank in the national picture? They are a very dangerous team right now. They have beaten the number two team at the time in the country, West Florida, and they handled them. The score was 38-17. to 17. The game was a little bit closer than that, but this offense is incredible. They average 8.3 yards per play on offense going up against, you know, that good commerce defense that they always have. But this MSU-Texas offense, especially second half, they make good second half adjustments, and they tend to really just put that pedal to the metal. The only question I have is on their running backs. They've got so many injuries. They were playing a true freshman at running back last week against Eastern New Mexico. Now, I'm hearing that they will have a couple of the guys injured back, but their leading rusher, Vincent Johnson, is questionable heading in, and they really need him. He's kind of that bulldozer at the goal line. He's got 510 yards and seven touchdowns this year. So if he's unable to go, that could really be a game game changer. Well, last year was Luis Perez in this game. This year it's Leighton Rab. Uh, what does Rab do well, and, and where does he kind of rank uh, in the grand scheme of Division II college quarterbacks? I think the question right now is what does Leighton Rab not do well? He really is amazing out there. Every game he seems to throw for at least 300 yards. He is a he, he is the guy you want. And I, I said this for the last couple of weeks. If there's a quarterback you want this year in the Lone Star Conference, when the game is on the line, last minute drive, you want Leighton Rab. He is calm, cool. He engineers the offense and just keeps that, that engine going for that team. So last year he was uh, a finalist, I believe, right, for the Harlan Hill Trophy. Do you think that he has a chance of taking it home this year? I believe he does. He, he's he's putting up numbers. He's one of the five weeks they've had the conference player of the years. He's, he's Or player of the weeks. He's won three of the last five. So he definitely has a chance to be a, a Harlan Hill finalist and and take home that trophy this year, which I don't know if the Lone Star Conference has ever been able to take home two of those in a row. Yeah, no, no question. Well, how do you see this game going? I, I see it close. My edge has got to be 
with Midwestern on this one, I think that the Commerce defense is really solid. They're really good, but I just don't know that they have enough offense. And being at, at Wichita Falls, it's been tough for them. I, I give a slight edge in this one to the Mustangs. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and move down a little bit in the states to the Division Three level. So we've got number seven Harden Simmons traveling to number two Mary Harden Baylor. Mary Harden Baylor, of course, playing in the national championship last year, winning a national championship two years ago. Is it kind of just the same old for Mary Harden Baylor this year? Oh, they are they are impressive. They are really amazing. Not only do they put up great offensive numbers, that defense is as solid as any defense I've seen. And on the Harden-Simmons side, what are they able to do well? Harden-Simmons is an offensive juggernaut. This year, they are averaging 386 rushing yards. Wow. <laughs> They've had 386 rushing They are an absolute juggernaut on offense. They have All-American Jaquan Hemphill. He's a senior. He comes in with 675 rushing yards on only 60 carries. He's averaging 11.3 yards per rush that is their their mo is the ground attack against that amazing defense of the crew so mary harden baylor again they've been able to maintain a certain level of consistency over the past couple of well really past couple of decades almost what is it that they're able to do that makes them so consistent well one thing shayhan i don't most people don't understand that don't don't realize this but in Division Three level, they have JV teams. Oh, really? Yes, sir, they do. So, and the two, of course, the two best JV teams are Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor. No surprise there. So they they're able to utilize some of the JV talent that they have, and they they're really good at that level. Bring that up into the big program, and then they stay consistent every year. They're consistently good. It, the thing when you look at Mary Harden Baylor statistics this year, they've had 1126 rushing yards and 1152 passing yards. They can do whatever they need to do to move the ball. That, that is really what they're able to do. Yeah, most definitely. Well, where do you think this game is going to be decided? I think it gets decided on the defensive end. It, the question is, can Harden Simmons stop Mary Harden Baylor on defense enough. They have a they have a good defense at Harden Simmons, but I don't know that they have as good a defense as what the Crusaders have. The Crusaders, like I said, they have just an amazing defense, only giving up two point nine yards per play. So I think defense is what it's really going to come down to. Well let's finish up uh first of all, how do you think that game's gonna go? You know, I gotta go with Mary Harden Baylor on this one. They're at home. They have not they've won eighteen of the last twenty against Harden Simmons. They haven't lost at home since 2004 to the Cowboys. So I, I've got to go with Mary Harden Baylor, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is uh, under you know, a touchdown or maybe even less than the score. I think this could be a good one. Well, let's swing back up to the SDS level just for a second. A game that's usually maybe a little bit more competitive than it might be this year. Number 16, Sam Houston State versus Stephen F. Austin. Uh, both of these programs have kind of struggled a little bit so far this season. What's going on there? It's been an offensive struggle for both teams, and it is surprising on the Sam Houston State side. They were replacing their quarterback from last year, and they it just wasn't necessarily working for them. But they did try a redshirt freshman from College Station last week, Ty Brock. They put him in the game against Central Arkansas, 
and he's more of a, a dual threat. And he really did well last week. He threw for 352 yards, and he, he had 73 yards rushing for him as they were able to upset Central Arkansas. So maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they found that spark to get that offense going this year. On the Stephen F. Austin side, uh, they've been playing Foster Sawyer a decent amount at quarterback. That's a name that uh, you know TCU fans will be very familiar with. How has he performed down at Stephen F. Austin? Uh, Foster has struggled at times. Stephen F. Austin's really used a two-quarterback system a lot. They've used Foster Sawyer more as the starter. They've brought in Jake Blumrick a lot also. But combined, it's been a real struggle. To, together, they have three touchdowns and five interceptions between the two of them this year and it's been their completion percentage isn't bad but they just had a hard time moving the ball really consistently on the offensive side well uh what does this game look like how do you think it's going to go you know it's going to be a defensive battle again i could see this one if somebody's able to put up 30 points i think they probably have a good chance of winning the defenses have been really solid on both sides uh, but i give the edge on this one again i got to go with the team that's been dominating over the last 10 years and that's been Sam Houston State so that's where that's where I lean on this one so we mentioned Sam Houston State we mentioned the uh the commerce game we mentioned the Harden Simmons UMHB game and we mentioned Northeastern uh A&M versus Blinn College give me one more game give me one more that we should keep an eye on this weekend oh boy one more game this weekend let me see let me go let me look kind of here you know what? There's one more here that's really interesting to me, and it is on the FCS level. I'm going to have to go with Southeastern Louisiana at Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word with the new head coach. They've pulled off some amazing wins the last two weeks. They've won two in a row here, and now they got, they're actually favored. In, well, from what I can tell, they're favored to beat Southeastern Louisiana at home, winning three conference games in a row for Incarnate Word. That would be incredible for that program. That's Corey Hogue. You can follow him on Twitter at Hoagie Sports. Find all of his work at TexasFootball.com. He covers Texas small colleges for us. He does a fantastic job. You guys have to check out his Tuesday columns. They are extremely, extremely thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shayon. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to both Craig and to Corey for two fantastic interviews. You're, you're going to be smarter for, for listening to both those interviews, and I'm very excited about this upcoming weekend in football. It's actually kind of a quiet week across the state, but there are just so many marquee games. Actually, when we were trying to plan out my schedule a little bit, obviously Texas versus Oklahoma does take precedence, but to a certain extent, we were like, oh, man, we'd love to do something with Midwestern State versus A&M Commerce, and, and Corey will be there at that fantastic game. Uh, Sam Houston State also plays Stephen F. Austin this weekend. And then, of course, Mary Harden-Baylor, they play against Harden-Simmons. All three of these games are games that I'd love to go to. <laughs> but unfortunately, the schedule makers did not want us to prosper, did not want us to be happy. They wanted everybody to flock to Texas versus Oklahoma, which, again, it's a nationally relevant game. It's the biggest game in the state this weekend. But what a shame. <laughs> What a shame that I won't be able to make it out to all the rest of them, but I'll be keeping a close eye, and you should too. But without further ado, let's go ahead and move on to our picks of the week. 
Last week, I went 4-4 four and four overall against the spread. Moved to 9-8 and eight in the last two weeks. That's how long we've been picking against the spread. So, hey, I'm going to do at least a little bit of money. You know, I'm keeping myself, <laughs> I'm keeping myself accountable. So, so far, so good. And we're going to start with the 2.30 slot, Baylor versus Kansas State, 2.30 p.m. on FS1. Baylor's actually four-point favorites against Kansas State. Baylor, of course, lost 66-33 to Oklahoma last weekend, whereas Kansas State kept it close against Texas. 19-14 was the final in Manhattan. But Kansas State has not looked good this year. Including that Texas game, they played three games against Power 5 opponents, and total, between those three games, they have 30 total points. And Baylor's big issue this season has been giving up explosive plays. Against Oklahoma, the touchdowns averaged something like 36 yards per touchdown. There were just so many breakaway plays, and only two of the touchdowns, and there were nine of them, were within 20 yards. Luckily, Kansas State is not a team that really is able to do that at any significant level. Against Texas, both their touchdowns were from the nine and from the one-yard line. And again, they've only scored three touchdowns against Power 5 opponents so far this year in three games. Baylor, I think, is going to be able to move the ball fairly effectively against Kansas State. Again, this Kansas State team is kind of reeling. Until they played Texas last week and looked pretty good in the second half because that's just what happens in Manhattan, Kansas State looked absolutely dead in the water. I think that's more representative of what Kansas State is right now. I think Baylor wins this game 24-14, to picks up their second Big 12 victory, only the third of the Matt Rule era, and the first against a team that's not the University of Kansas. Now, still a Kansas team, but not the University of Kansas. I think Baylor's able to pull it out. Move to 4-2 and two on the season. 4-2, and two. yes. I'm doing my math right. <laughs> Next up, we move on to Rice versus UTSA. 6 p.m. on ESPN3. Rice is a one-and-a-half-point favorite against UTSA on their home field in Houston. A week ago, Rice lost 56-24 to to Wake Forest, whereas UTSA beat UTEP 30-21. to Again, UTEP, the worst team in the country. We're going to learn a lot from this game. Both of these teams have played very difficult schedules, and... So I don't know how much we've really learned to this point because UTSA played against three Power 5 opponents in the non-conference slate. That's tough. There's no reason they should have been expected to win any of those games. Rice goes on the road, plays against Wake Forest last week. They also play Hawaii in the non-conference slate. They also play Houston in the non-conference slate. We don't really know a whole lot about either of these teams. What we do know is that Rice has been able to move the ball on pretty much everybody. Uh, quarterback Don, uh, Sean Stankovich running back Emmanuel Asukpa, running back Austin Walter. These are three really good skill position players, and they've been able to move the ball. Even even a week ago, they did end up scoring 24 points on Wake Forest uh, in North Carolina. UTSA was supposed to have a good defense coming into the year, but that hasn't really materialized as yet. Again, it, it, they allowed 21 points to UTEP. They only beat UTEP by nine points on their home field. I think Rice pulls it off. Rice 24-21, I think they cover. I I think it's a very close game, but Rice just has a little bit more in the tank, a little bit better players, a little bit better coached. And I think they're able to pull it off 24-21 to on their home field. Next, we move to Texas State versus Louisiana Lafayette, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Texas State is a three-and-a-half-point underdog against the Ragin' Cajuns, one of the best mascot names, of course, in all of college football. 
Texas State last week was on bye, but a week earlier lost 25-21 to to UTSA, a UTSA team we're not particularly sure is good. ULL struggled so far this year, only one win. A week ago lost 56-14 to to Alabama, which, okay, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> this is another game where I don't know how well we know either of these teams because Texas State has not looked good so far. Their one win, of course, against Texas Southern, a game that they tried to make more interesting than it should have been. ULL only one win, but also played a very tough slate so far this season. Right now, it's just hard for me to pick Texas State to move the ball offensively. Uh, Texas State's really struggled, even with Willie Jones in the game, with Tyler Vitt in the game. They haven't been consistent enough offensively, and they sure as heck haven't been putting the ball in the end zone. And for that reason, I'm picking Louisiana Lafayette 21-14. to Texas State fails to cover. Uh, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a tough, hard-fought game, and I just don't think Texas State is going to have enough down the stretch to pull off a victory. Another ugly game, number 12, UCF versus SMU, 6 p.m. on ESPNU. SMU is a 24-point underdog. You, There really could not have been enough points for me to possibly pick SMU in this game. I mean, you would have had to start talking about 50 points before I'd even think about picking SMU in this game. 24 points is not close to enough. I know that SMU looked better against Navy. I know they looked good last week against Houston Baptist. But UCF's one of the best teams in America. It's being played in Orlando on UCF's home field. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see SMU being able to stick around. I don't think they're going to be able to do much of anything offensively. Or uh, defensively, rather. A week ago against Houston Baptist, they allowed 27 points to Houston Baptist. Whereas UCF beat Pitt 45-14. to a power five opponent. They crushed them in every aspect of the game. That game was a 31-point game, and I kind of think that SMU is probably worse than Pitt. My pick is UCF 55-21. to SMU is able to get some late scores to make it look more competitive than it actually is, but I just don't see any way that they're able to cover. Whether or not Will Brown or whether or not uh, Ben Hicks ends up starting at quarterback, which it still looks like it's going to be Brown. That's what it looks like based on how they played against Houston Baptist a week ago. Brown had his first 300-yard passing game in only 20 pass attempts, which is great. But again, I, I don't think they have close to enough to, to beat a team like UCF. Texas A&M hosts number 13 Kentucky, 6 p.m. on ESPN. Texas A&M is a six-point favorite against the number 13 team in the country. And look, this game is all about disrespecting Kentucky. Kentucky, heading into the season, was not seen as a team that was even a lock for a bowl game, much less as one of the best teams in the country, much less as a top 15 team. But a couple weeks into the season, Kentucky's pretty legit. They've beat Florida on the road. They've beaten Mississippi State. They've beaten South Carolina. And none of those teams are necessarily very good, but they beat all of those teams by double digits. Again, on the road against Florida, they win by 11 points. Against Mississippi State, 21 points. Against South Carolina, two touchdowns. Kentucky's legit, y'all. Kentucky's legit as heck. <laughs> and Texas A&M, what we're banking on right now is that they looked good against Clemson and that they looked good for a half against Alabama. That's really all we have to go on because a week ago, of course, they only win 24-17 to against a terrible Arkansas team. An Arkansas team that's probably the worst in the SEC and 
probably a bottom five team in all of college football, uh, power five football, let's say right now. So what, what A&M are we going to see? Kentucky has a absolutely devastating defense. They've only allowed 12.6 points per game so far this season. And funnily enough, 20 of those points came against Central Michigan in the opener in a game that really wasn't particularly competitive. Uh, but since that point, Kentucky's been absolutely dominant. Against their three SEC opponents, they've only allowed 33 total points. That's 11 points per game against three SEC opponents. And Mississippi State's supposed to be able to move the ball. South Carolina's supposed to be able to move the ball a little bit. Florida, definitely a little bit more of an ugly team, but Dan Mullen's a pretty good offensive coach. Uh, before playing against Mississippi State, they scored 47 against Tennessee and 48 against Colorado State. Kentucky's legit, y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> I cannot believe that Texas A&M is favored in this game. I'm not saying it's impossible that they win, but I cannot believe that they're favored and nearly by a touchdown in this football game. I just can't do it. Kentucky wins this game 21-17. And to be clear, that is not a bad loss. <laughs> Texas A&M fans are going to go crazy if they lose this game. They should not. Kentucky is a legitimately good football team. They have a fantastic defense at all three levels, but especially in the front seven. Their linebackers among the best in the country. Kentucky's legit. They're going to prove it on Saturday. Saturday night, too, a 6 p.m. game at Kyle Field. This is going to be a fantastic venue for them to prove that they are legit. Texas A&M. I'm not worried about them. Let's be clear. I'm not worried about them. Even if they lose this game, I'm not at all worried about them. But I think that people are underrating what Kentucky has done to this point. Because why wouldn't you? It's it's Kentucky, coached by Mark Stoops. That doesn't sound like a team you should be scared of. So Saturday's going to be real, real interesting. Next up, UNT travels to El Paso, Texas. As UTEP hosts the UNT Mean Green, 6.30 p.m. on the BN Network, UNT is a 27.5 point favorite. I'll tell you what, UTEP, apparently, this is their homecoming game. <laughs> UTEP scheduled UNT for homecoming. Now, granted, if you're a UTEP, of course, there's only so many games that you can pick to be your homecoming game. Just looking through New Mexico State, too early in the year, uh... UAB, that makes a lot of sense. Middle Tennessee is going to destroy them. USM is too late in the year. I probably would have picked uh, picked the game against UAB on October 27th as the game <laughs> for homecoming. Granted, they still probably lose that game against UAB, but... Oh, man. Everyone remembers back in Denton, you know, UNT <laughs> back in 2016. Sorry, was it 2016? No, it was 2015. Back in 2015, they host Portland State, an FCS program, for their homecoming game. They lose 66-7. to This game might be a little like that. It might just be a little like that. <laughs> UTEP, again, they've lost 17 straight football games, dating back to the 2016 season. A week ago, they lose 30-21 to to UTSA. They gave up 30 points to a terrible UTSA offense. UNT, on the other hand... They are coming off a loss, too. They lost a tough, tough conference game, 29-27 against Louisiana Tech. It was one of the worst games that they could have possibly played. Every aspect of their game went wrong. Mason Fine had to play on one leg because he got hurt. They lost their starting running back, Lauren Easley. Cole Henland 
missed a field goal, had another field goal blocked at the end of the game. Everything went wrong in, in this football game, and they still only lose by two points against a team that wins nine games basically every single year. <laughs> UTEP has no chance against UNT. It's the same as that UCF game. There is no point value that you could tell me that I would pick UTEP. You could tell me 60 points, and I probably still wouldn't pick UTEP. Again, the line's only 27.5. UNT's going to crush that line. I, I think they're going to win 55-7. to Easy, easy victory for UNT. Uh, and they're supposed to do that. I, again, it's, it's baffling to me <laughs> that, that uh, UTEP has chosen UNT to be their homecoming game. We didn't necessarily know that they were, that UNT was going to be this good heading into the year, but we knew that they were going to be pretty dang good after winning nine games last season. Oh, man, it's going to get ugly. <laughs> There's going to be some backups in probably in the second quarter. It's, it's going to be real, real bad for UTEP. But, again, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think UTEP's just not theirs yet. Losing to UNT is not really that big of a deal because UNT's really dang good. And we're going to finish off with the game of the week. Number 19, Texas versus number 7, Oklahoma. 11 a.m. on Fox. Texas is an eight-point underdog against the Sooners. A week ago, Texas beat Kansas State 19-14 in Manhattan to pick up only their second win there ever. And a week ago, number 7, Oklahoma beat Baylor 66-33, scored nine touchdowns, constantly demolish them uh, with big plays. But this game's going to be a little different. This game's definitely going to be a little different. Eight is a lot of points. Texas has the ability to be more of a ball control offense. And here's the thing. I think that offensively, Oklahoma's really struggled to stop the run. That was especially true against Army a few weeks ago, of course. And I think that if you decide that you want to go in and run some Ellinger and Keontae Ingram sort of action stuff, some some read option stuff, I think that Oklahoma will struggle to defend that consistently. And then you mix in the idea that Ellinger has been pretty good passing the ball in the past couple of weeks of the season. Texas is going to be able to hold on to the ball more than I think people think they will. Last week against Kansas State... Ellinger's 29 of 36 for 207 yards and a touchdown. A week earlier, 22 of 33, 255 yards and two touchdowns. In fact, since that opening game against Maryland, Ellinger has not thrown an interception and has thrown seven touchdowns in four games otherwise. So Ellinger's really cleaned things up to this point, uh, which is what you hope and maybe expect to a certain extent that a sophomore quarterback's going to do versus being a freshman quarterback. But he's really cleaned it up. I think it's going to matter a whole lot in this game. Now, Kyler Murray has been otherworldly <laughs> for, for Oklahoma. In fact, a week ago, check this stat line. He was 17 of 21. Okay, cool. For 432 yards, six touchdowns, 45 rushing yards, and another touchdown. <laughs> he did everything. He only had the ball for 31 plays 21 passes 10 rushes and he posted 477 yards of offense and seven touchdowns and granted that's definitely better than what he's done the rest of the season but it's not 
that far off either. <laughs> to this point, Kyler Murray's only thrown 109 pass attempts, but he has 1,460 yards, 13.4 yards per pass attempt, 17 touchdowns to two interceptions. And Oklahoma, of course, is a perfect 5-0. and Whew. That is... <laughs> that's, that's pretty dang good. I'm going to be honest. That looks like numbers that Kyler Murray was putting up at Allen. And then some. <laughs> Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive minds in all of college football. But on the other sideline, Todd Orlando is one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. It's going to be a chess match. And I think that Oklahoma is going to be able to break away a couple of big plays. I'm terrified for Chris Boyd to go up against, uh, potentially go up against Hollywood Brown in that matchup on the outside. I think that Brown's going to torch him at least once, and maybe you move Devontae Davis over there and <laughs> try to give Chris Boyd uh, C.D. Lamb instead just to see what he can do. But it's going to be a tough ball game. But I think that Texas is going to be able to hold on to the ball enough that the eight-point line is just too much. I, I think it's just too much. I think Oklahoma wins this ball game 31 to 24, but Texas does cover. It's lower scoring maybe than expected. It's going to really depend on whether Texas can force a couple of interceptions, as Craigway mentioned earlier. But I think that Texas eventually is able to pull off uh, uh, pull off at least a cover, not necessarily a victory, but I think they're able to pull off a cover. It's going to be a competitive game. Maybe Oklahoma needs a late touchdown just to stay alive. This isn't the same sort of Oklahoma team that we saw last season, or even maybe the season before that. Losing Rodney Anderson on offense has meant that their offense is very good, but not impossible to stop. Because a year ago, it was impossible to stop. It was one of the best offenses that we've ever seen. Murray is playing as well as ba uh, Baker Mayfield did last season, but I just don't know if they're quite balanced enough. And whether they're elite 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 on the offensive line like they were last year so texas is gonna have their work cut out for them i think they'll play a lot of two deep safety sets i think they'll try to stop the run with just their front six to seven it's gonna be a fascinating game i can't wait again like i mentioned this is my first time going to uh to the red river showdown at the cotton bowl in dallas i'm from dallas and i've been to the to the state fair a couple of times but never got a chance to go to the game so I'm really, really excited. If you guys have any suggestions for me, what I should do, what I should see at the State Fair, at the Cotton Bowl, tweet them at me, at Shahan Jayaraja. And folks, thank you so much once again for joining us. It's been a fantastic show. Thanks again to Craig Way for joining us, the voice of the Texas Longhorns. Thanks again to Corey Hogue, our college football small colleges insider. Follow me on Twitter, at Shahan Jayaraja. Follow us on Twitter, at DCTF. Follow Craig on Twitter, at CraigWay1. <laughs> follow Corey on Twitter at Hoagie Sports. We've got you covered on Twitter. I'll tell you what. And thanks so much again for listening. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star review. We'd like to give another quick thank you to North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. We always appreciate them. And, folks, we will be back on Sunday to recap this fantastic slate of games, one of the best slates of games that we'll have all season, at considering all four levels of college football. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.